community. It's not like I'm calling somebody in California to, to ask them what I should do. Uh, it's people that are rooted here and that know me, know this place. Welcome to the Invest Local Podcast, where we uncover the brilliance of local businesses that are slugging it out, serving their customers and giving back to their own communities. Check us out at vicinitycapital.com and give us a follow on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we are not making any investment recommendations, nor are we providing any sort of investment advice. Now on with the show. Welcome everyone to Vicinity Capital Podcast Series. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Derek Whaley, and joining me as always from the Vicinity Group are the legendary co-founders, Josh Rollins and John Crawford. On today's podcast, we're joined with Patrick Russo, entrepreneur, business owner in BAM, Alabama. We're very excited and looking forward to hearing more about the journey of Patrick as someone who has actual hands-on experience looking at small businesses and just kind of diving into the mind of him as an entrepreneur who loves and is deeply rooted in his local community. But I will say before we get started, um, Patrick, John, how did you come across Patrick? Where did you two meet? What's the experience and the story there? Well, that's a long story, Derek, but I'll just give you the, the bite size and Patrick's welcome to fill in. But uh, where, where, can we, can we, uh, sorry to interject. What's the hometown there? Is it, what'd you say? Bam, Alabama? Is that what I did say? I did say bam. Bam. Oh my gosh. Did I? <laughs> Did I say that wrong? We can start over. No, Shoot. I mean, you might have just coined a new is it, slogan is it, for our is it, city. Is it ham? Is it is it ham like you eat a ham? Like no, ham and cheese? It's, it's Birmingham. Some people call it the ham. And uh, Oh, my God. I did not city. even look. I did not. Well, you know what? We're just going to roll with it. That's so John's fault. going to know with it. But John, I legitimately, was, I legitimately, when I read it, I was like, man, I've never heard of BAM Alabama. I was like, but it, it sounds pretty cool. Like, I'd like to hear it in, a, in an actual, authentic, like, Alabama accent, you know, how they say BAM. But, yeah, no. That's, John uh, set you up for failure. Hey, should have fact-checked <laughs> I, it. I almost, I was this close to Googling B-H-A-M Alabama. I was like, I got to see where this is it's on the map. It's spelled like I spelled it, B-H-A-M. And sometimes you'll see it accompanied by this drawing of a, a ham. So it's B-H-A-M. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we can to, answer your, to answer your question, Derek, I met Patrick in B-H-A-M. And uh, it, was, uh, it was apparent early on that he was well-versed in small business and rooted there in Birmingham. And uh, Patrick, immediately you knew he had a knack for – for recognizing value, but also for just connecting people and uh, was just an altogether interesting person. Um, and uh, we got along real well. I continue to have a lot of respect for, for Patrick, both um, within his business uh, world and uh, personally, and uh, happy to be um, happy to have him as a part of this podcast today. So Patrick, just starting out before we dive into the weeds, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? We kind of want to get the, the scope of, of your, your journey. Uh, we know your local community that you call home now is, uh, is Birmingham. What, what led you there? Have you always been an Alabama guy? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I, I'm, um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys or y'all. Um, 
to tip my hat to half of my family that's from New York. Um, so uh, that'd be my dad's half of the family who transplanted from Long Island down to Mobile and um, spent the first 15 years of my life there um, in a part of town called Spring Hill. Um, so moved from there to Birmingham and graduated high school, had a uh, um, basically um, was introduced to tennis by my father when I was about 10 years old and sort of pursued that um, into a mid, uh, mid-conference um, school called Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, where I played tennis for four years and then came back home to Birmingham and started my, I guess you'd call it a career. I don't really think of it as career as much as I do survival, but um, that's that's kind of um, my path in a nutshell. So Mobile and Birmingham are kind of the places that I've lived um, my whole life, essentially, and probably split the time. Now I've lived in Birmingham longer than, than Mobile, but that was um, only until recently. So got a good feel for the state and um, its its culture and uh, a lot of a lot of friends and a lot of different and basically all the you know all the cities in in Alabama so it's home and um all the nostalgia is here so new york and alabama i mean that's, that's just about as well rounded as you can you can possibly get as as a a business owner starter entrepreneur would you say that inner drive because i've noticed this about all entrepreneurs there was something a person or an activity sounds like it was a combination of both would you say your, your father and tennis were, were big inner drives from uh, what spawned the uh, the bite of entrepreneurship and, and the itch? Huh. Uh, no, I mean, I, I wish I could say it, it was connected to a lemonade stand or some kind of successful venture. But honestly, the only ventures, if you call it that, as a kid were, you know, borderline moral failures. And uh, so, they, you know. I, I maybe maybe I learned uh, the hard way, but I, I remember trying to go door to door as like a maybe I was nine or ten years old trying to sell wrapping paper, um, but I you know just basically off the cuff um, because I saw there's a you know the school that I that I the school that I attended was they doing a fundraiser for wrapping paper. So I thought maybe I could just go and make money um, by selling wrapping paper without, you know, the sanction of the school just on my own. So um, I was quickly, uh, you know, the first, first person I attempted to do that was, you know, so an adult and they quickly saw that I wasn't legitimate um, at all. And uh, so that was like my first blunder um, trying to, I guess, I guess that's, yeah, that is a moral failure. You might not want to put that on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 get, I totally love it. I mean, the biggest hurdle, right? I mean, people say they have a, a more of a, a fear of, of um, public speaking than dying, right? I mean, so having that at nine years old, you know, since the courage to say, hey, I'm going to go out and, and I need, this is what I need to do. I need to generate income. I'm going to go out and get the sale and then I'll figure out how to do it, put on the back end it. You know, it's surprising how often that's still practiced today in all ages. So, no, that's a, that's a that's a pretty good or, origin story. So, so how you got into into business 
you know, now let's say post Mercer, post Macon, you know, Georgia, post college, um, what, what previous businesses, uh, experienced positions have, have you had in, uh, in Alabama? I really started a passion for learning, I guess, 19 years old, halfway through college, that sort of set the trajectory of, of learning that that is still with me. You know, I'm 34 now. So 13 years later, 14 years later, um, I, I see how helpful, uh, that sort of, um, desire is in, in entrepreneurship, basically, um, and all in these different ventures that I've started. So in after, after Mercer, you landed in Birmingham, is that correct? Yeah. Um, moved back to Birmingham and, um, um, basically, uh, my, my dad had, uh, come down with, he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor about six years earlier. So I came back home to help, um, the family and my mom in particular help take care of him towards the end of his life. Hmm. And so uh, otherwise I probably would have been somewhere else in the world just trying to, I actually was lined up to go teach English in China of all things. Um, ended up coming wow. back, coming back home, sticking around and never left basically. So w with regards to, to the business in, in Birmingham, um, would you say, do you have any startup experience uh, with any startup companies, whether it be, you know, you went in with someone or you started on, on your own? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I can, if I could sum up the first 25 years of my life, it's essentially as far as the, from a business perspective, how it's been helpful in business for me, my personality, gifting strengths, whatever. Um, the best way for, for me to do that is to immerse myself in a subject, learn it as well as I can. Um, and then connect it to reality, uh, for other people. So instead of it staying in this abstract, phase uh in my head connected to reality for other other people and then speak to that person or serve that other person basically this is where the, the community comes into play because the relationships that I developed in those uh three or four painful years basically after my dad died um in the first uh thing professional thing i did uh was um, those three to four years forged some incredible relationships that are still, um, existent today. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are in Birmingham. Um, so a lot of it was a support network. A lot of it was a business network, uh, families that basically just emotionally, uh, were there for me and, and my family. So, uh, there was this web that sort of caught me and I'm, I'm very grateful for, for that privilege. Cause there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of people experience suffering and, and trauma and they don't have a, a, a web or a network to, to, um, to catch them in that. And so there's any number of directions you can bounce off of something like that. Um, and I was just grateful to have uh, all of those, all those friends and family and then friends of friends and then it expands from there. But essentially one of those friends in that network introduced me to an opportunity to go, um, you know, leverage this connectedness, uh, sort of learning talent to help lead a delegation to of U.S. congressmen on a policy fact-finding mission to Israel. Um, and so I organized the economic development piece of that where I connected these Israeli uh, venture capitalists and business leaders to the United States congressmen 
that were most relevant to, to them. So for example, one of the, one of the congressmen was the first district of Texas, Louis Gohmert, who, whose district was on a border and, you know, he was interested in border uh, technology and cause that was relevant to what his constituents were dealing with in, in his district. So connecting him to the, uh, the CEO of a border defense technology company out of Israel, because um, that it, it made sense to help facilitate um, some development between uh, and support Israeli business while at the same time um, driving value for <clears throat> that district and something that is an actual tangible uh, thing that they could use, that they didn't know each other before. I mean, Gomert didn't know that, this company existed and that they had this technology and that it was available to be used down there. So one of the highlights of that trip was actually our whole entourage getting to go in and, and meet with Netanyahu. And I was the only one that got left out right at the, the door to his office. Apparently I didn't make some sort of list. I, I just got bounced by, you know, Israeli IDF and I had to go wait in the bus with the bus driver. But that, that conversation was one of the highlights of, of the trip. So I didn't get to shake Netanyahu's hand as scheduled, but I realized how many different, uh, basically all these guys, all these bus drivers and tour, tour guys want to tell the history of Israel themselves. It's like the most competitive industry is the tour, tourism industry over there. Cause they all, they're all like PhDs, really smart people and they get nuances of issues. So anyways, learning about the chutzpah, wow. chutzpah of, of his, Israelis in that, that country was like very formative uh, in terms of go, going for it. And it actually tapped into kind of an activator talent that, um, that, I, that is in one of my whatever strength, strength assessment things. So jumping out there, trying something and failing. I mean, that's how Israel's the startup nation – that book but quickly learning and then going and applying it in in reality that has that's become a theme so i, I come back came back home from that experience and met a guy that embodied that in birmingham um and he invited me to come work in his investment banking firm for a period of time and he's a louisiana louisiana cajun guy and he just he he lived he lived this Israeli value that I just saw, and he was doing it over here. I don't know if it's in, you know intrinsic to Louisiana folks, but he uh, he very much wore his heart on his sleeve and uh, went for it, and I respected that a lot about him. And uh, he gave me an opportunity that I had no experience in investment banking to jump in there and um, you know fail at driving or working on some of these deal processes because I had no formal training in finance or Excel. Um, but I got to see it and I got to try to learn. It just, it, 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 <laughs> I learned how fast you have to be in business too. And uh, slowing down to speed up works depending on the, the size and, and stage of the, of the, of the business in the cycle. But just the way he, he was always talking about, uh, driving value and he's his, he never really asked <laughs> main first question to me anytime he saw me like the beginning of the day was what you working on that was it it was uh it was, it was just constantly uh, making sure that I was driving value for the business because that was the 
that was the mission of the business. We, if, if it's not profitable, then people's families aren't going to be provided for customers aren't going to be served and you can't fulfill the purpose of, of the business. So that, that needs to be front and center of, of, you know, any kind of business venture is, is profit. I know that's kind of a, um, what is that? Well, no, there's, there's a difference between, sure. Yeah. And there's a difference between reading that in a book. Um, whereas, you know, actually touching and feeling that like you have, whether it it be in, in Israel, right. Hands on talking to, you know, the, in the trenches, you know, uh, guys and girls that are, you know, fighting to, you know, survive their business, grow their business, but then also, you know, being able to recognize that type of same passion back home, uh, here, here in the South. Um, and then, you know, applying that to, to what you're, to what you're doing now, it's, it's different reading it versus actually touching it and tasting it and, and enacting it. So currently what, what is your current business today? What are you, what are you doing today? I was so close. I was almost there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So today to fast forward very quickly, the, um, that investment banking firm um, created an opportunity to work on a, a, a fintech. It wasn't really fintech. It was a digital media company that um, was organic, you know, had experienced a lot of organic growth in the savings, personal finance space. Um, I jumped in there and <clears throat> the, the CEO. So basically that was a, Shoot, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, basically, I had an opportunity through the investment banking firm to jump into this venture. And so I got to see how long-term value is built in that business. It was depositaccounts.com. So we basically published banking and savings rates about around you know from every bank and credit union around the country. So he, uh, the guy that I worked with there, um, who drove the value and, and the growth ended up, you know, teaching me a lot about serving the person on the other side of what you're asking for first. So any email, any question, any, um, anything you're trying to do to do your job, you need to think first about that other person. Don't, don't just take and try to get something, but think about what can, what serves them first. And I, I, that's never left me from that experience just because I was so hyped up on, well, how do we monetize this, this internet traffic and how do we, how do we make it, uh, the, the biggest, the biggest thing ever. And he's just just like, has a, you know, 4,000 mile view further. If I'm, if my view's an inch and, you know, an inch out, he's 4,000 miles out there. Uh, and I couldn't see that at the time. Um, but obviously he, he could and end up exiting that business. You know, it's public information exited that business for $33 million to lending tree, uh, back in 2016. So I was, um, at that, I had left a year prior to that exit to start another company, um, in the, um, in the cloud bookkeeping space with a partner. Uh, I wanted to go see some other business models and, um, work, work on that for a period of time. And that, um, when deposit account sold it, I was just shocked because I couldn't believe that was the kind of value that he had been building the whole time. So, um, I just learned a lot from just the, the, the fact that this other company saw that much value 
and obviously there's other market dynamics that increase the the intrinsic value um the sub, you know more subjective value um of of that company with interest rates with the interest rate environment and stuff but just seeing how much his focus on long-term value uh was actually matched by somebody that recognized it and paid him handsome paid that that company handsomely for it so i had started this other company because i wanted to see a bunch of different business models and um that's where this the the current startup came from so we i i I did that for three years and um this model um i got to see towards the end of that that cloud bookkeeping company and uh saw it taking off um and i'd been brought brought the the guy that started it in as a client philip nappy and then he uh you know, went off and started this. And, and so I got to see it in practice for a year and the model was simple. It was, um, serving a need in the market that hadn't really been served yet. And that's what we found to be true a year later. Um, is this, this business Vavia is, uh, basically, um, I think the main value driver here is that it's, um, you know, you're, you're in a, a world of waste management where the services typically, you know, last on the list, um, transaction volume, it needs to be high. Um, and there's typically, it's just typically, it's just an old, old school industry where, um, you're usually fighting to get service. Um, and so we, we come in, we came in and we came in strong with relationships and we're leaning on those relationships, building those relationships, connecting to, uh, the, the needs of home builders. Um, the main need being speed. How can we build this company to where we can, um, fulfill our service as faster than anybody else in the, um, in the market. And so, and one way to do that is you gotta be, you know, come in with capital. So there's a barrier, barrier to entry there because you have to have enough capacity to actually do that um, and, and be set up for that. So we did that. And then the other side of the coin is getting the operations uh, set up. So it's, it's basically the, so far it's kind of tapped into a lot of different uh, experiences that I've been able to, um, you know, see, played out within this company and it's kind of exciting because it's they're all uh they're all they're clicking on all cylinders right now hey it's a good time when they're all when everything's firing that's that's a that's a good wave to be on absolutely so vivia being being your current business now as as managing director of that um i mean looking back if you don't mind me peeling some layers of the onion here I mean, what would you say the, the biggest challenge is from start to to now that you've faced with the via and what'd you get from it? What lessons, what takeaways? Yeah. So uh, I think the main one is don't, don't assume someone else's answer, uh, whether it be a customer, a prospect, a, a partner or anyone. Um, basically always ask um, that's, that's, that, that could range from, uh, a price that you don't think is uh, appropriate or, um, and you, you know, I've realized that I've, well, we're adding more value than we think um, because people, you know, are, when, when we raise, when we raise prices, uh, volume's not 
coming down, um, you know, volume of, of customers is not coming down. I mean, that tells me this is an underserved market. So we're asking uh, for people to uh, pay us for the value we're creating. We're still trying to learn what that value is. And then um, basically just um, building it as leanly as possible in the beginning uh, in case, you know, global pandemics break out in the first year. You know, who knows what that would look like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, so, absolutely. Yeah, do it before a global pandemic because otherwise you won't do it. <laughs> that's, there it is. There it is. Yep. That's, that's the takeaway. No, so when, when you brought up the point about, you know, value, you, uh, you say market was, was underserved. I, the one thing that I, I learned when I was very early on, when I was asking a lot of, a lot of stupid questions, I still do that very often, but um, one of them I asked was, you know, well, Hey, uh, this mentor of mine. And when I just got my first job, I said, well, what do you think this, this is worth? You know? And they said, well, it's, it's worth what someone will pay for it. You know, like this, this, you know, it doesn't need to be, that's such a loaded question, but the value, you know, that the supply, the demand of, of something, you know, that you're offering, um, you know, is always kind of a fluid, fluid target. So that's, that's pretty exciting to see that, that the base is growing for you all and, and, uh, and, and the value of, of it, you know, streamlining it, make it efficient, you know, doing more with less. Like we made a comment about the lean. I, I love yeah. that. Um, well, and I think that value creation isn't, you know, isn't the, isn't only for industry incumbents or people on the inside of any given industry. Like just cause you've got 20 years of experience in this industry. Well, you've just learned how to be a bureaucrat and, and basically, <laughs> create more expensive service and process. So it's passed on to the customer as, as more, more expensive that way. And the, the firm that you're, you're a part of is just, you know, it's just wasting uh, capital time, people's people's time. So I think the outsider perspective, I, you know, is been able to come in and yeah, it's easy for somebody to come in and criticize all the things wrong with um, how, Op, people are operating within an industry, but you know, I, I've done it uh, three times now. And um, you know, I, I, I guess value to me isn't, is, is, is something just that isn't cornered by uh, specialization. What would you say, what would you recommend, you know, Hey, this is a big caution that you need to look at when analyzing a market industry business that you're trying to pursue, yeah, no, you know? Yeah. I think, I think just, um, the falling back on the, uh, the network that I, I said caught me, you know, after my dad passed away, um, in my early twenties, I think that's literally what I've done at each phase of the last 14 years as I'm leaving and entering a new venture is, uh, rely on the, on the collective, um, uh, I guess, input of, of people that, um, I trust and respect. And those people are, you know, intrinsic to this community. It's not like I'm calling somebody in California to ask them what I should do. Uh, it's people that are rooted here and that know me, know this place. And, um, so I, you know, I, I think, maybe thinking that the, the, the thinking that starting something new has to be recognized by somebody, you know, outside of that community. Like it's, it's, yeah, that reading all of the news and, and the, the, the tech startups and the IPOs, it's just easy to have be like a global 
a globally minded person and, and it, it's, it's all abstract and it's not, it's not like your neighbor next door um, down the street that you're solving any problems for. You're always, you're, you're cloud, your head's in the skies instead of just solving a very local problem. I think maybe that's the, that's the myth is that you have to go solve some huge problem or do something that's recognized by somebody even, you know, even in the next state over, I don't, I think I've just stopped at some point. I've, I realized that it's all, some of it's just fake and, you know, bells and whistles that are unnecessary. Well, let me go solve a simple problem in a very, in a, in a niche industry and then ex, ex, expand out from there if it's warranted. So if we can't solve this narrow problem, then why would we go and try to do it a in another place or B in another vertical or, you know, expanding the, the, the problem that we're focused on or the, the services that we're providing. So I guess serving the, the people closest to you and listening to them more so than, uh, you know, somebody halfway across the country who doesn't have any vested interest in, uh, in you or your, you know, your network long-term. So that kind of in, in closing ties us to one of my last questions that I'd, I'd love to, to hear. And I'm sure a lot of people would too, as well Is what would you say is your favorite aspect of, of your local community in, uh, in Birmingham? I think my favorite part about Birmingham is just the community aspect being, you know, one degree at most away from any, um, any person really in this area. Um, one or two degrees, just, uh, everybody on our team, uh, here has just grown up and lives and works here. And so it's, you know, loving, loving our neighbors ourselves is pretty natural just because we, um, we have to see our neighbors on a daily basis and we have to serve them uh, through this company. So I think just Birmingham, uh, itself, and that makes it no different than any other place in terms of it being a um, place where you're known and um, knowing other people. Um, so. All right. Well, hey, Patrick, you know, thank you very much for, for your time. Um, I mean, for, for everyone who's listening, regardless of whether you're in South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, um, I mean, there's definitely a thousand takeaways that we can take from this and, and a great foundation of experiential wisdom. So we appreciate you passing that along to, uh, to us and to those that are on listening. One last thing uh, for those that are in Birmingham, Auburn, Tuscaloosa, Huntsville, how, how could they learn more about Lavia, the services that you all offer, provide and, and get in touch with you? Yeah, um, we are, we started in Birmingham last year and we're opening in Tuscaloosa as we speak and uh, with plans to open in Huntsville, Auburn, Montgomery in 2021. So go, go com is um, just information on, on that. And you can stay up to date with, uh, with when and where we're opening. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Invest Local Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review and feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. And don't forget to tune in next week for more local stories.